Great to be here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us. So much to get to on the show. We'll hear from Mark Bradley, AJC, uh, sports columnist. He wrote a column entitled Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. I, I'm struggling today. Says Stetson, Stetson Bennett need not defend himself. I'll do it for him. So we'll talk to Mark Bradley about that uh, column. Also, Sean Pender, head football coach of the Brunswick High Pirates, will join us. He had the opportunity to coach two guys playing for a national championship on Monday, Stetson Bennett at Pierce County, and then uh, Warren McClendon, offensive lineman, while he was at Brunswick High School. So uh, we'll talk to him about those two gentlemen playing for a national championship there on Monday night. Then David Waters will join us from Gators Breakdown. Uh, just interesting uh, to talk with him about Billy Napier, some of the hires he's made, and how you're seeing what is happening there has happened other places and all across college football. The, the ballooning of staff salaries to get these analysts and uh, guys in there. Uh, recently hired a guy from the NFL, Bird Sherrill, as director of college personnel. His job, mainly recruit the transfer portal. That's it. So you see that kind of the, the, the changing roles of college coaches. We'll talk to uh, David Waters about that. Then coming up in the final hour, it is Wednesday. We'll have Troop Talk, where Ben sits down with a uh, guest each week. This week, Ben sits down with former NFL tight end Anthony Beck, and, and they cover everything from uh, the NFL, Antonio Bryant, college football, his Antonio Brown, excuse me. There, there was an Antonio Bryant that I did play with, too. That wouldn't have been it. <laughs> I'm Please. sorry. I'm, I'm, did y'all talk about him? I'm throwing names out there. Maybe. I mean, listen, if Brown, Bryant, either way, it was A.B. talking about A.B. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Good uh, good segue. Uh, ben True, we talked about his uh, – I believe you guys said you talked about his son uh, there who is a college recruit, going to play quarterback at Iowa State. So uh, interesting uh, conversation coming up there with uh, Ben and Anthony Beck for Troop Talk coming up in the uh, final hour. And we uh, mentioned quarterbacks. It's been an interesting year, Ben. Transfers happen um, every measure. There's no question this has been the biggest year for transfers. There's more guys that have entered the portal than have any other time since the transfer portal has been a thing. And a lot of them, Ben, you and I were talking about this, have been quarterbacks who are playing. Normally you see transfers happen. It's like, okay, this guy's not happy. Uh, you know, he's not playing. Uh, there's a guy ahead of him on the depth chart. I.e., kind of a situation where... Say it's in Georgia. Stetson, come back. Okay, JT Daniels might play. He's ahead of Carson Beck and uh, a couple of those guys. Maybe one of those guys transferred. I'm not playing. But Ben, we have seen the starting quarterback who is getting the playing time at the following schools transfer just this season: LSU, Southern Cal, Oklahoma, Auburn, Central Florida, Florida, Nebraska, Texas A&M. These are big P5 programs. One G5 in there, but uh, Central Florida's been consistently a top 25 program. So G5, top 25 programs where the guy is starting. In Dylan Gabriel's case, he was going. if he came back to Central Florida, he was going to be the starter. Mm -hmm. They have all transferred, two at LSU and two at Oklahoma. What do you make of this, that even at successful programs where you are the starter and you can – because it can't all be, oh, so the competition scared me off. You're the starter. And we've seen these guys transfer out. This is where perception and reality collide. Perception is recruiting, right? Let, let, let's, let's just call it what it is. There are things that are said on the recruiting trail to get guys in. There's a movie, uh, you know, called The Program. There's a part in the movie when Omar Epps gets on campus and he says, hey, man, we're having all the cheerleaders in the band. He's all, oh, man, that was just to get you here, man. Now you just a Isn't it Halle, just Was it Halle Berry? Yeah. Where'd Halle well, Berry well, go? Yeah, where, yeah, where, <laughs> yeah, where, where did Halle Berry go? And what you didn't know, the Halle Berry, was the girlfriend of the current 
starting running back already on the team. Think about think about <laughs> that. Then so I think that what happens is Kevin. This is to me this is the true essence of the transfer portal because quarterbacks run all all facets of football. You know I mean Pop Warner, middle school, high school, college. So when you think about right now, these guys are saying I'm looking at I'm looking at I'm looking at what's coming down the road. If you're Caleb Williams, which, which and they all they, no one does it on the same day. Caleb waited. Caleb Williams is the, is the latest, uh, you know, uh, starter to uh, going to the transfer portal. I don't know what went on. Vernon Bowles and those guys are trying to do a, trying to do damage control, but I think this comes down to they're trying to be synonymous with a big program. I mean, I mean, one of the biggest shockers was I mean, Bo Nick's going to going to Oregon. I mean, out of nowhere, like yeah, I'm going to go to Oregon. I mean, I want to be attached to a big brand. All right, fine. But then when you start thinking about what these what these players really want to do with the, the uh, quarterback position. They want all the fame, right? They want all the accolades. They want none of the blame. And when the team, because the one thing about it, I mean, listen, LSU, USC, Oklahoma, Auburn, UCF, Florida, Nebraska, Texas A&M, how many of those guys in the uh, college football playoff? Zero. None of those teams win the college football playoff. So when you start thinking about not Gabriel, obviously, you know, big time, you know, big time player, you know, out of UCF, I, I, I just think that LSU, I, I do think, um, I do, I, I did know, uh, you know, we talking about Max Johnson. I think it was a package deal or whatever, him and his brother and things of that nature. Kevin, this is the transfer portal. Now, just because you were a big name doesn't mean you're going to garner the same attention once you hit the portal. Like, I do know that some of these guys are already got big-time landing spots. Emory Jones, my alma mater, yes, going to be going to be going to the transfer portal, still played in the bowl game. He could have did himself – he didn't do himself any favors by going to the bowl game because everything they said about Emory Jones going to the game, he showed, he showed against UCF. So – Kevin, while it used to be, listen, we 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 know we know what uh we know who's the headliner. It's the quarterback, but you always got to ask yourself this: Who do they have coming in, and who do they already have on campus? Because that's what you're dealing with now. Because the same thing that said, I don't look, and I, and I could be wrong. Four star, five star, no star. If you're a quarterback that could potentially come into my program, I'm telling you, you could potentially start. Why else would you come to a school? You could potentially start. Now, that word potential to a 17 to 24-year-old sure. sounds like definitely. You said, no, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. When you talk about the reality of college football, this is the reality. Caleb Williams, I was just a shock, but it's funny. Kevin, as long as you have, you know, we work, you know, you know, you, and I'm not talking about this employee. You have an employee. Everything goes good. But when you get fired, <laughs> everything comes out about why, you know, you don't want to be there. So I think with some of these players – Thank God they played the quarterback position. Kevin is very, very highly sought after. But no, but know this though: you won't get a second. Meaning wherever you wherever you transfer to, it better work out. E- meaning you either gonna you either not gonna play and be a good teammate, or it's gonna work out and you're gonna go on to have you know football glory. Because you can't continue to get in the transfer portal just to right. avoid competition. I'm not saying that's what these players are doing. I, I get any player that wants to go into the transfer portal. Listen, I I'm more to support you, but it's a but that transfer portal. It is very – it's thick. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of players. And I know we're talking about the quarterbacks, but something you said, if I could get a guy that's already been in the system that understands – because they just learned new terminology, they, but they've adjusted to college football, and they're a good and, teammate, bring them on. And, but I, get, and, I, get, and I get guys that transfer because I know you can say LSU, Southern Cal, Oklahoma, uh, Auburn recently, uh, Florida. There's been head coaching changes. But, I mean, Caleb Williams is going to play, right? He was – he's probably – Brent Venables comes in, Caleb Williams is probably going to be the starter, right? I mean, I, I, it's just very interesting because Keaton Slovis is probably going to be the starter at Southern Cal if he stays. I, I'm just, 
I guess I'm saying it's kind of interesting. We see a lot of these guys transferring out. Is that been going to become the new norm where you recruit a guy, you find out if he can play in a year or two, and maybe if he doesn't, you just go get a guy who's played two years somewhere else? I mean, is that kind of the new norm of college football that seems to be happening where, I mean, Nebraska lost a kid that started for three years. He was going to start again, right? I mean, they he's lost three years, he decides to leave. Mm-hmm. Is that – do you think this is the new norm where we get to next this time next year and – Seven, eight, nine, ten P five quarterbacks who are starting say I'm out. I'm going somewhere else. I would think so. Why? Why would? Why would it stop? Because it's all about. This is about resume boosting, man. That's what the transfer portal. I want to go somewhere that could boost my resume. You know, you can, you know, you can blame that on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow got in the transfer portal. It worked out, right? Jalen Hurt, he got in the transfer portal. Worked out pretty good for him. So when people saying, well, why would I want to do it? Okay, um, why do you want to work for certain companies? I can make more money if I w- exactly. It, so, so if I'm talking about boosting now, now I will say this: You see, it ain't been no more Jamie Newmans. Nobody has transferred to a school, been, been named a starter, and didn't play because that's all you need is one. Listen, all I need is one good example and one bad example, and then, and then I'm good. Jamie Newman will be the bad example. I don't know why. Listen, I don't know why he didn't play for Georgia, but he went undrafted. You don't play around with big time brands. I'm just telling you that right now. But yes, Kevin, this should be the norm because it's all about the quarterback position. Like, think about this. Georgia, Alabama, they play on they play on Monday. No matter who you talk about, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, uh, you know Brock Bowers, you know uh, Pickens, uh, Burton, Seth Bennett, and the th- because that's how big of a role the quarterbacks play. Not just being the faces, but if you got the right guy, and I get it, Seth Bennett, Seth Bennett, just like Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm, true freshman, put some guys around him, went to the national championship. Only difference is Seth Bennett was undefeated. Seth Bennett had to play Alabama twice. Back to back season, just one of the regular season. His uh, first year, I mean, his first time, I mean, his, uh, first year there at Georgia. Then obviously this year he had to play him in the NCAA championship game. But look at what getting the right guy, because Kevin, that's what they're really trying to find. I'm like, dude, if we can get the right guy, what can the right guy get us? You 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 thought Cincinnati knew how good Desmond Ritter four years later he's gonna take him to the college? Nope. But now they're looking for the next one, and that's the crazy part. One of these guys could be that guy because they're only gonna look at their good film now. They're not looking at bad film. <laughs> yeah. I'm only looking at the, the plays you made plays. But that is college football because Kevin, we're doing this right now. All right, you know, right now we got Anthony Richardson in Florida. We got some guys coming. To, if Caleb, <laughs> if Caleb Williams. Decided to go to Florida. I'm going to lose my mind, too, because of the potential of what he can do. He might not. Listen, these guys may never play, but that's that's what it's about because we go from, man, where is he going? Man, they say he might be going, you know, here going to what? You sure? Because, you know, because that, that's what kind of runs college football is. The guy you got under under center, you got you got one of the best quarterbacks. You got a, you got a really, really good chance to win. So, hey, right now it's Caleb Williams. I mean, Anthony Richardson, don't take no offense, man. You know I love you down there in Florida, but if we can get Caleb, hey. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like that's Ben's that's already just, on to the next guy. No, no, like, no, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm honest about it though. Now, I'm not DMing none of these guys. I'm not at tweeting them. You're a loser, grown man. I'm talking to you. Leave these young men alone. I'm just saying. Ben, I think you're a little bit different than like some other dude out there in the yeah, general. Yeah. Like if a former All American is DMing somebody saying. Hey, what's good, bro? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think you would look, I think you would look no, no, good no, no, in the no, orange and blue. Christian, it's but, a little bit different uh, than me. Yeah, but Christian, but it's the thing, though. Christian, there's a difference between me saying what's up than me saying, really, dude, I knew you wasn't even that good. It's like we talking to him like we're there. No, all these young men that's coming out now were in the womb or, or getting thought about when I was in college. So they calling me sir. Either, sure. They call me Ben, sir. I'm just saying we are, Kevin, this is the crazy part. You are a lottery pick away in the, in the, in the I thought he was saying I was a lottery pick. No, no, I was no, like, no, no, they no. were a lottery pick. <laughs> no, 
Because think about this, Kevin. At the end of the day, if so, you know, you go, you go to bed saying, man, we need some guys. Hey, man, Caleb Williams, he going to so-and-so. He's really going? Because I ain't seen no tweet yet. You know? <laughs> so it, it, it happens, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. But shout out to those young men for using the one thing that most people will never have in life. That is leverage. While you got it, you might want to do your best to use it. Yeah. I, 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 again, I saw that I, when, when that broke uh, yesterday. I was like, man, just these are guys that are playing at their current spots and probably would still be the starter even with a new coach, and they're still transferring out. Uh, that's why I think when people say, what can you do about it? I, it there, there's nothing. Uh, that you could do about uh, the, the transfer portal. If guys who are playing in their current position still want to leave, I think as a coach you just have to keep rolling with it and, and hope you get a guy that wants to stay uh, the entire four years. But I think if you're at a big-time program, as you said, Ben, if there's anything that's slightly changed, we're going to see these guys get a chance to, uh, to move on and try something else. we got more to come here on 3 and Out. Mark Bradley will join us in about uh, 20 minutes. We'll talk to him. He wrote a column recently, uh, I believe out today, about Stetson Bennett and uh, the defense thereof uh, for Stetson Bennett. He'll join us again in about uh, 20 minutes. But we'll come back. Who are the difference makers going to be on Monday night? We'll get to that here on 3 and Out. Good to have you 3 and Out on this Wednesday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. <laughs> Glad you're with us, man. We got uh, Mark Bradley coming up. AJC, what now? Did I say the wrong day again? Okay. All right. AJ, AJC columnist Mark Bradley will join us in just a And that's sad that I had to ask that. Did I say the right day? Because there is a wild track record of me not knowing what day that's it is. Good st- that's good stuff. No, though. we're honestly more impressed when you get the day right. It's just true. No, no, Kevin said on a Tuesday. And Kevin, you that, did it? Is it not? Well, here's the, I mean, here's the problem. I, and again, I've said this a number of times, and, and it's not an excuse. I should know what day it is. But most of my day, like today, a lot of what I do outside of getting ready for the show is preparing for Thursday, Friday. So I spend all day looking at Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday. And so I forget that it's Wednesday. And then when I come and do the show, I'm like, "Good, th- oh, we're not there yet. Just in my brain, I've been there all day. Got it. Not an excuse? No, no, no I, I like no. it. No, no, no. The, the thing about it is I'm like, look, I'm not even going to correct you. If you say it's Wednesday and it's Tuesday, fine. <laughs> I mean, you already pulled a Dan Orlowski and called Stetson Bennett Stetson Benson. So like, Stetson Benson? Stetson huh? Benson. You just trying to make it one word? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, you know, we all have our flaws. I'm just getting, you know, getting old. You don't care. I, You're you, getting wiser. But like that's like being a quarterback and saying one of my flaws is yeah. I can't throw. That's true. But, I mean, the only day Speaking I – Speaking is your job. I, it is. The only day I care about, though, is payday. So Talk about it. It's fair. Every other day is payday yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want to talk about something that someone does every week, it's me – Going, so which day do we get paid on? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So Christian is very much, he's like, are yeah. we getting paid tomorrow? Thank well, God. That's because. What are we doing? No, thank no, God. No, 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 you don't need to throw every secret out there. Oh, no, 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 I got no, no, just thank God for online banking. Much like, I mean, no, you know. no, no, much like a Waffle House order, I don't know that I've ever been paid on the same day twice. I'm sorry, so fine. <laughs> hey, can I, can, I, can I call you out? Unless you, you ate it and didn't put it in there. But I did notice a tweet the other day of yours. You were like, nothing is more awesome than. The you know drop one bacon, or pull the, one, at, or pull, pull one, one bacon, yeah, pull one and bacon. then you posted a picture of your plate, and unless I was blind, yeah, nary a piece of bacon it, it to be seen in the picture. It hadn't gotten there yet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, I was oh, like, so you're, you're gonna say something about pull the bacon, and then you're gonna post a picture of your food, no bacon. No, oh. it hadn't got it's like much like the waffle wasn't there yet. They were taking okay. their sweet time. It was one of those. But it was, okay. when I say sweet, I mean that literally. Like, it, so they so take all the time they this, wanted to. So, so basically what Christian experienced was something a lot of people do. It's the Waffle House version of the five-course meal. <laughs> so he's like, hey, here's your, here's, your, here's your hash browns. The bacon comes next. Yep. Then your waffle. 
And I guess the bill is dessert. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because the people that the, because the people that call out the order and the guy that's do, the guy that's doing the order, they do not like you each other. How I knew, and, they, and they don't even fake it. You want to know how I knew my food was gonna slap? <laughs> my Waffle House server looked at another guest and said, "I'll go smoke a cigarette with you as soon as I get this young man his raisin toast." <laughs> <laughs> And no, then, no, my favorite. <laughs> I, I, look again. This is not what we were going to talk about here, but this is fine. I, I my favorite uh, experiences that I've had is when like the cook is like the guy that's on top of it, and so literally you give your order, and the waitress is like, "All right, pull." And he goes, "No, do it again." Mm-hmm. Like, hey, nope, do it again. Like, I guess there's a specific way they got to call it out for the, yes. for the short order right. cook to get it right. And so I've literally been to Waffle House a few times where I guess the cook's not busy. He hears the order, and, the, and she'll go to call. It, he's like, "Nope." Do it again. Call it out again. <laughs> so it's like. No, I, it's, like I, I, will, I will tell you this right now. There, nobody on earth wastes less food than a cookie waffle house. They don't wait. No, no. I'm not going to give. There ain't no extra. Can I get an extra? Because when you. That, that's the ones that don't like. Hey, man, can I just get a little extra? And they hit you with the. This dude. Dude, listen. What do you want? But <laughs> it is worth it. Like everybody. Everybody knows whether. Listen. Whether waffle house is full of people. Or you're the only one in there. You will wait on your order. Now it's going to be worth the wait. Oh, it's good because because you see, I I almost never wait on mine. I don't I don't wait very long. It's good, like four or five minutes, and wow. And it's because they have about five ingredients in the entire restaurant. That's right. And it's just different ways of doing it. What's the what's the joke? There's a reason they serve breakfast 24 hours a day. Get the breakfast. Correct. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. People that really be looking at me, you're like, man, you don't get out of here, man. And again, I know uh, Christian and I grew up in Metro Atlanta, where there's like a Waffle House every 16 feet. But Love it. literally, I'm trying to think if I've ever had anything but breakfast off of the menu there. No, you don't need anything else. Because that, that, that throws a monkey wrench at what they're doing. What? Why do you want a chicken sandwich? <laughs> you want pork chops? And, uh, and, 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 they'll, and, and they'll look back at you. Like, Where? That's him right there. The guy you, mean, right? you mean an all-star special? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. It's like at the end of the day, there's like certain the things. But, no, what? but the most beautiful thing is, have you ever, like, you? I order the same thing every time I go in there. I've never paid the same no, amount no, twice. Yeah, I mix it up. I mix it. I don't. Yeah, but I've, I've never paid the same amount twice. It's true. I will do. I, I will do a for the show every day for four <laughs> weeks. I will go to a Waffle House. That's because the sales tax changes will, from location to will, location. No, okay. I'll go to the same city. Kidding. I'll go to the same city, no, just, and I'll order. I'll order the same thing four times over four weeks, and I will take pictures of my total every time. Because <laughs> you are deciphering the chicken. And I will. And I will bring it back. I will bring it back. I. I mean, it will not be the same once. I mean, hey, look, you want to listen. And it's almost like on the little yellow pads, like bacon. Nah, that sounds about like $1.87. Yeah. All right, there we go. Correct. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I will say this. I, listen, I love Waffle House. As you can tell, we are, we are Waffle House enthusiasts. Oh, my they know, God. They, listen, the, the, what you're looking at, as you, listen, the menu that you're looking at with the price on it is not what is being rung up on that cash. And they'll do it right in front of you. I'm like, it's, no, it's, right, here it's it says, right here it says 99 cents. They'll hit you with that. No, that was last year. What? The bacon in the window? I'm just saying. <laughs> I love it though, man. Yeah. You can't, you can't beat it. Too, I, I don't even know where we're going with this. I was going to talk about we're difference talk, makers, but I got sidetracked talking about scattered, bro, smothered, Waffle and covered. House is a fine. Yeah, maker. it is. That is a difference maker. It is, it is a difference maker. Uh, when is it best? When is that its best though? Two a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's elite. But it's like, good anytime, but yeah, it is. But, but early, early, early in the morning. I mean, you know, because where I'm from. GA, we got our little Waffle House knockoff. We got Waffle King. We don't got <laughs> we got Waffle House. <laughs> but but <laughs> we, hey, I'm, I'm just keeping it a buck. We ain't got it. But is I, that like uh, coming to America? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. This thing, right? Like, like we got, you know, they, House, they, we got Waffle King. No, at the end of the day, you know, our waffles might be a little crispy. It might be a little crispier. It might not be as soft. But 
They good though, man. They good. Like you know, oh. hey, you got. How do you get your hash browns, Ben? Listen, I get, I get my hash brown. I, I, I'm a plain hash brown guy. I don't really? Nothing this. in I, it? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm loaded up, load up with ketchup. I'm good. Oh, you know what I'm no, saying? I'm just loaded up with ketchup. I'm good. I think we're on the same accord. I get mine covered and chunked. Ham and cheese. Well, see, once, once again. I, I you, like the scattered, which is really nothing this. other well, than Well, hold on. Not once again, patty. but you're going to Waffle House. I'm going to Waffle King. No, but when you go to Waffle House. When I go to Waffle House, I just still, you know, I, I, I guess I'd be looking out for I'd be looking out for the, uh, you know, uh, for the servers or whatever or the, or the people preparing it. Because every time I go, it'd be packed. But there is, is there a certain no no you guys have gone to a lot of is there a certain Waffle House a certain area in Metro Atlanta you like to go to because they oh, all make it good but they are, not, they are not created equal as far as some people make it a little better than others I, I think the uh, I think the, uh, the <laughs> I think the best one uh, that uh, Christian and I have been to because we you know would like to hit it uh, doing some high school football is uh, we were coming back from a game this year and we walked into a Waffle House we hadn't been in there two minutes didn't know a soul and the waitress walks up and goes. Were you here for the wrestling tonight? I was like, "Excuse me." Yeah, that was that was, was wonderful. Like, well, am I here for the wrestling? No, I'm I'm yeah. here for the food actually, but uh, yeah, just Wa- you Waffle never House know. wrestling sounds sticky. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but we, well, sad, we have all witnessed some form of Waffle House wrestling. <laughs> we have in the park. I think my lot. favorite was on the parts unknown that Anthony Bourdain did in Charleston. He went to Waffle House, and like while they're filming the scene, you see blue lights flashing in the background <laughs> in the parking lot. Oh, yeah, in Waffle House, it goes yeah. down. Meet me at the Waffle House. We go, it, it, yeah. we, it's going down for the food, and it's going down the parking oh. lot. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. We'll come back. After all that, we're going to talk to Mark Bradley. That makes sense for the AJC. Yeah, I mean. AJC. Yep. Uh, sports columnist, he'll join us. We'll, we'll ask you about Waffle House in Stetson Bennett when we come back. It's 3 and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Yeah, we're almost there. We are uh, getting closer day by day, minute by minute, to the national championship game coming up on Monday night, Georgia and Alabama. That rematch for it all coming up in uh, Indianapolis. Joining us here from the AJC Sports columnist, Mark Bradley, joining us here on 3 and Out. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, your most recent column talking about Stetson Bennett. He need not defend himself, so you'll do it for him. Why do you think Stetson Bennett hasn't been – and I won't say it's everybody, but why do you think he hasn't been fully embraced by the Georgia fan base, despite the fact that they're in the national championship? You know, it's you know, I, I don't think it's just Stetson Bennett. Um, I, I think this this happened also to Jake Fromm uh, to a certain extent uh, his last season at Georgia, and and I I remember back when Joe Tarasinski the third was named the starting quarterback in preseason and I thought oh Georgia fans are going to be excited about that you know they've got a they've got uh, you know a three third generation bulldog going to start the the 2006 season at quarterback but no they want to Matthew Stafford they could, they couldn't wait for Stafford to get in there and and when I say they let me let me just also confess that I don't know how many of they, them there are uh, it could be a tiny minority that just is really loud. Uh, there wasn't as much in the way of social media back then, but you know, you you still heard it, and and now you you hear it to the point where you 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 know you're sick of hearing it because it's like, oh, we'll never win with that with that you know with Bennett at quarterback. Well, indeed, Michigan was set than Bennett. Michigan's pretty good. Uh, they went twelve. You know, they finished up a twelve and zero season with him. He was, you know, he was good enough to do that, and and I just. I, it, it's it's I think it's something peculiar to Georgia, 
as opposed to being that this being something that happens everywhere else. And, and I kind of wrote what I wrote today because I'm, I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to figure out just why that is. Mark, if, if Stetson Bennett was 6'4", right? If he was 6'4", he got the – because he got a big arm. But if he was 6'4", and he never left campus, would people be still saying the same thing about Stetson? Because you said – you mentioned Jake Fromm. I think one of the best decisions Kirby Smart ever made is calling Stetson Bennett. Am I wrong? Um, no, I, I, I think Bennett's – you know, I think Bennett's a good quarterback. I, I, I mean, you know, bad quarterbacks generally do not take – Teams to the national championship game, um, and and I, you know, I, I think that to to believe that Kirby Smart would would do something that hurts his team is, you know, that's kind of ludicrous. I mean, he gets a million dollar bonus if they win the national championship. He has he has a very vested interest in in winning the national championship, and I I, I don't get you know the people who say well he knows. JT Daniels is better, but he likes Bennett, or he likes Brom, and he didn't like Justin Fields. I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't understand that thinking. I, I, you know, I understand that you, you know, quarterback debates, quarterback controversies—they're all—they're all kind of a—they're all—they're all very heated things within within a fan base. But, but at the same time, I, I think you know, I don't know that any fan base disagrees with its head coach about the the number its number one quarterback the way Georgia does. Mark Bradley, AJC, joining us here on three and out. And, and, and Mark, what do you think Stetson Bennett, Kirby Smart learned about themselves from the last time they played Alabama to make sure that that result is different here the second time around? I, I think, you know, I, I think the last game it, – it, you know, Georgia led 10 to nothing. We forget that. You know, Georgia got off to a very good start, and Bennett had a tremendous first quarter in that game. Now, he, he, threw, an inter- he threw two interceptions, yes, but uh, the Georgia defense collapsed in that game, uh, and that started with, with, the, with the cover no one uh, coverage on, uh, uh, on uh, the Alabama receiver that, uh, you know, in, that was, you know, that got Alabama back in the game very quickly uh, that cut it to 10 to seven and and you know from then on uh, uh, it, it was like Georgia was running in cement they were not playing their kind of defense and Alabama was just swinging it and catching it uh, in, in a way that nobody had done to Georgia I I don't think I don't think Alabama was going to do that again I, I don't think I don't think Georgia is going to go without a sack of Bryce Young in this game um, I think you know, and and if we look, there haven't been a whole lot of rematches in college football over the years. But if we look at uh, we look at the few that there have been, they tend to favor the team that lost the first game. Mark, when ex- excluding excluding Buck Blue, because I mean he he finished the job in 1980. You know, you you think about David Green, DJ Shockley, Matthew Stafford, Jake Fromm, Stetson Bennett can find a way to be you know the last team standing on Monday. Where where do you rank him? You know, in those pantheon of quarterbacks that come through Georgia. Well, I, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be a bigger talent than Matthew Stafford. I mean, Matthew Stafford was number one pick in the draft. But, but as far as winning as a quarterback, I mean, there's only one. Yeah, well, you know, there's only one quarterback of in this era uh, that has has won a national championship for Georgia, and that that's 
but Baloo, uh, you know, from came the closest to anybody after that, but they they didn't quite they didn't win the game. They lost in overtime in, in January of 2018. You know, I, I, I you know, there's a, there was a saying that became it, it has been popular in baseball for a long time, but it's one that Alex Anthopoulos uh, has has sort of uh, mentioned several times since the Braves won the World Series, and that's flags fly forever. I mean, if Stetson Bennett wins, if Georgia wins the game with Stetson Bennett as quarterback, Stetson Bennett is a Georgia legend. I mean, just there's no if, there's no, there's no other way around that. I mean, he's he's the guy. Mark, obviously you've covered uh, the state of Georgia uh, sports for a, a long time. How big has the 1980 uh, albatross gotten with uh, with Georgia and how obviously they're eager to get it off of there, but has that become such the talking point that it kind of uh, drowns everything out when you're talking about getting over this final hump? You know, I, I do think that there is there's something to be said that every, every fan base worries and, and has questions about something or other, uh, you know, but I think that, you know, if we remember the great Larry Munson, Munson was a great announcer, but he was also really great at worrying about everything. You know, going into the game, he, Vince Dooley used to try to stay away from him before the game because he'd get Munson so, Munson would get Dooley so depressed because he'd think his team didn't have a chance. Uh, and and I, I think Georgia has sort of, Georgia people has kind of taken a lead for Munson, uh, and, and I, I think the fact that they haven't won a national championship since January 1st, 1981, is, is something that has led them to be maybe a little more fatalistic than, than, a, than a lot of uh, other, than, than other colleges. Because they have come pretty close. I mean, they, but they've, they keep running into Alabama, and Alabama keeps falling behind by double digits and then wins the game. Mark, I mean, I, I remember when the Cubs finally got over the hump and won, won that World Series. I remember when LeBron, you know, won the World Championship for Cleveland. Georgia wins this thing on Monday. What I I know what it's gonna mean for the for Georgia fans. What about the state of Georgia? Because you it, it is it is it is red and black through and through. What is it gonna mean to the state of Georgia to finally say one the Braves finally got back to the World Series run, but Georgia winning that that's got to be totally different. You know, uh, Chris Russo, uh, the Mad Dog. I, I was on with him uh, on on Sirius XM. Sorry to drop name. <laughs> uh, I, I was on with him during the World Series, and and I think the last thing he asked me was, uh, which would be bigger, Georgia win the national championship or the Braves win in the World Series? And I said that's a close call. But but I think, you know, in Atlanta, I think the Braves winning the World Series would have been slightly bigger. But there's a lot of Georgia that isn't Atlanta, and I think in that, those parts of the state, I, I think Georgia winning would be bigger. Uh, but they'd both be great. I mean, you know, because then you don't have to, you know, we don't have to answer the question, how much longer is it going to be? Is they've, they've answered that. I mean, you know, this, this, this was maybe like the, I don't know, 10th tenth best Braves team of the last 30 years, and yet it's a World Series champion. I mean, that, you know, flags fly forever. Mark Bradley, AJC.com uh, sports columnist, uh, joining us here. Let's flip the coin to the other side, Mark. You kind of answered a little bit, but what if they don't? I know a lot of folks uh, have said to us uh, preseason, hey, if you're going to beat Alabama, this might be the year to do it because they're young. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, obviously top recruited talent, but it's young and hasn't played. This might be the year to do it. they got some big transfers coming in. If Georgia doesn't do it, 
Where does that put uh, Kirby Smart? Is it still knocking at the doorstep? Is it a deflating moment? Uh, where do you kind of see it going if they don't get it done on Monday night? I, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I know that people say that Alabama is, is you know, will keep on rolling. Uh, Nick Saban's 70. We don't know how much longer he's, he's going to coach. Kirby Smart, I believe, is 46. He's, he's got a few years left. And, and you know, I think that for this, this makes twice he's gotten into the national championship game. Uh, you know, they've been in the SEC championship game, what, four out of the last five years? I mean, they, they're, they're set up pretty good. And, and the East, um, now we don't know what's going to happen when Texas and Oklahoma come in, but, you know, do we really see anybody in the East gaining on them right now? I mean, Florida just just fired a coach. Uh, South Carolina has uh, had a new coach this year. I mean, maybe Tennessee is, is, has the resources to give Georgia a challenge in the East, but I, I think Georgia's set up pretty well too. And I, you know, I think their recruiting is is as good as Alabama's. It's not. It's not. You know, it, it's one of those things that I don't think there's anything about Georgia right now that would make you think that they're going to fall off a cliff if they lose this game. I, I think, you know, they'll be back again. Uh, they have good players. They always have good players. They have it going now. And, you know, if, I, I, you know, the minute Nick Saban retires, Alabama, we're going to be asking, can anybody follow Saban? And, and the answer is probably going to be no, because he's the greatest of all time. You don't, you don't follow that guy. But I, I think Georgia's sitting in an awfully good position uh, right now, and I think Texas A&M is in a pretty good position in the SEC too. And Mark, with so many storylines, with you know going into this game, obviously you wrote about Stetson Bennett. If Stetson Bennett does, you know he is a national champion come Monday night. Is there a? There's a lot of great stories in college football, and I'm not. But where does his story rank when you talk about his path to Georgia and him obviously doing what nobody thought he could do? I think it's one of the best stories I've ever been around, and and I've, I've you know. Not to, you know, this is, I, I've been around a little while. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think this is a great story. I mean, it's a great story even if I lose. But, I mean, you know, here's a walk-on. He left to go to a junior college. He came back. He lost the starting, he had the starting job last year. Then he lost it. Then he got it back. And now he's in the national championship game. I mean, that's that's a heck of a story. That, to me, that that's that's better than, you know, you expected Trevor Lawrence uh and Justin Fields and guys like that to take their team to the championship game, and they did. But uh, for Stetson Bennett to do it, I mean, that's that's a, to me that's just remarkable, and and I, I I think it's a great story. Mark Bradley, AJC.com sports columnist, our guest here on Three and Out. Mark, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Mark Bradley, our guest here on 3 and Out, and George with an opportunity, as he said, to finish it up on Monday night and write a number of legacies in the process. We've got more to come. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to be back here on Three and Out. Sean Pender, head football coach at Brunswick High School, is going to join us uh, top of next hour. He coached Stetson Bennett uh, there at Pierce County High School and Warren McClendon at Brunswick High School. His current stop, uh, both gentlemen, will be playing for the national championship uh, there on Monday night. So he'll join us top of next hour. Also, David Waters, Gators Breakdown will join us. We'll get the latest around Billy Napier and also just the coaching trends. Florida has done some things that a number of other schools have with uh, in terms of hiring 
analysts and also hiring a position recently as a director of college personnel whose job then is to only look at the transfer portal. And JUCO transfers, kind of the age of college football uh, that we're in. So we'll get to that coming up. But something I want to ask you uh, that we asked Mark Bradley, how badly does Georgia need that W on Monday night? Because I, I asked him, what if they lose? I mean, you, what if they win? What if they lose? How to play is. But if they win, obviously you exercise a lot of demons. But it seems like, as he said, the talking points are 1980, 1980, 1980. Can we get over the hump? Can we beat Alabama? Can you crest that mountain? How badly do they need that W on Monday night? In the worst way. Not just for 1980. I, I... I think sometimes we forget, man, there's so many guys because you carry on the legacies of those teams, whether you had something to do with it or not. If you went to Georgia, you got to hear about 1980. I mean, I I wasn't even born in 1980. And and, and the thing about it is, I think what happens, Kevin, is I think about the guys that I played with and they want to be able to say, look, man, we're good enough to do it. Sports is one of those things where we can talk about how good we are, how great we are, but you got to – what evidence do you have to say you're good enough to do it when we've done it? And I think when you think about this Georgia team, no one ever saw it. Like, it's always improper, right? You ain't got the five-star quarterback. You know, you ain't got all – but you can still find a way to go out there and get doing it with a freshman tight end, doing it with a guy that was a walk-on. All these storylines help add to it. But I think Georgia needs in the worst way. And if you are Georgia, you are college football, you know, you want to you try to be able to say Nick Saban has to have a reason to get the hell out. If he keeps on winning, that's only going to add to him staying even longer, right? <laughs> Lost to one assistant. Never seen that happen till this year. If it happens twice in the same year, even though, well, it won't happen twice in the same year for, like, calendar year, whatever. I think, Kevin, I think I think Georgia's doing it for more than just Georgia. But, yes, Georgia needs in the worst way, man, because this notion of keep banging it, don't keep banging it, don't keep banging it. Ask Donovan what it's like. Five straight uh, NFC championship. That don't mean, but when you finally get the Super Bowl, you get Tom Brady. So, you got to find a way to get over Jim the Kelly and the Buffalo Bills. That's, that's what I'm saying. So this notion that we're going to get back there. Look, man, you lose energy. You lose enthusiasm. So, yes, Georgia needs it in the worst way. And I, and I, and I know a bunch of guys that played at Georgia, man, that just – it's not to say, oh, you know, the thorn in the face of everybody that was talking trash and say, look, man, you one of the elite programs, had a chance to get it done. Most teams will never, ever be in this position. Got to find a way to finish the job. And, again, we'll see if they get it done there on Monday night in the national championship game. And that would be a, a huge win for the program. Obviously, the SEC is continuing right on either way. They, they oh, come yeah, Scott out. Strickland said, yeah. man, bring, bring them checks. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, bring the, them. Yeah, yeah. Greg Sankey's just like, hey, we're Greg fine. Sankey, yeah, sorry, Greg, Greg Sankey, we're fine. Yeah, Greg Sankey's like, expand the playoffs, don't expand the playoffs. Who cares? We're fine. We're making all the bank here. Uh, on this, uh, I mean, and, and, did, and did it twice with Georgia and Alabama. Second time getting yeah, two checks. Absolutely. So uh, just the, the checks continue to cash, <laughs> and they say Southeastern Conference on the title line uh, there over and over again. So uh, we'll see more of that there on Monday night. I think Georgia needs this one, uh, Ben. Again, I don't think it's deflating, but again, you've seen a lot of people say, if not this year, win. And I know Mark Bradley made the case of, well, Nick Saban's not going to be there forever. But, well, I mean, Nick Saban's recruiting isn't exactly slowing down either. Uh, he's right there's lockstep and step, and you've got a number of guys coming in for Alabama that people are really excited about as well. So this was considered to be a year in which Alabama was vulnerable because they lost so much to the NFL, had some young guys. Even now, offensive line a little banged up, secondaries banged up. Might this be the year to do it? Against Alabama, I think it's it's big if Georgia can go ahead and get it done. Christian's already saying it's not happening next year. I, 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 will, I will say this. You know, when you think when you, at the end of the day, Kevin, this Georgia team understands you might want to get Alabama when you got to take it. No one says – no one's looking forward to Alabama ever. Definitely not on next year. You better do it on Monday. <laughs> one game season. One game for it all. Christian's fired up. We'll come back. Uh, Sean Pender, Brunswick High head football coach, will join us. David Waters, Gators Breakdown, will join us next hour as well here on 3 and Out. 
It's Georgia and Alabama Monday night in Indianapolis for the national championship. And uh, a couple of young men, uh, Warren McClendon and Stetson Bennett, a chance to play for the national championship there for Georgia. Both of those young men coached by our next guest in their respective high school careers, Sean Pender, the head football coach of the Brunswick High Pirates, joining us here on 3 and Out. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, hey, I'm doing good. How you doing? Hey, man, we are doing fantastic. Good to talk to you. Stetson obviously has been talked about, written about uh, a lot here uh, this season. You had the opportunity, obviously, to coach that young man uh, there at at Pierce County. How do you think he's handled kind of this journey he's been on? Uh, had opportunities to play elsewhere out of high school, wanted to go play at Georgia, walked on, went to JUCO, came back, and uh, through it all now has a chance to win a national championship as the starting quarterback at Georgia. I, I think the young man has handled this uh, better than anybody I've ever known. Um, he, he's always had an awesome demeanor about himself. He's always had a quiet confidence in his abilities, and he's also always been real confident in the people he surrounds himself with. And uh, the type of character, young man that this guy has been um, all through his high school career, it carried over into his career at, at Georgia, and. Um, you know, I'm not surprised at all to, to see him once the opportunity was given to him. I, I'm not surprised at all that he was able to maintain and hold the job. Coach, another young man you you was, uh, you know, blessed enough to coach here recently, Warren McClendon. I mean, bigger than the fact that he's, uh, you know, trying to carry on that offensive line, specifically that offensive uh, tackle uh, tradition, the, the McClendon family. The McKinley family name at the University of Georgia, that's some thats some big shoes to fill. But, I mean, the stage obviously isn't too big for him, even with him being as young as he is. Oh, without a doubt. When I think of Warren McClendon, the very first word that I think about is professionalism. Uh, he has been that way from the beginning. You talk about a, a great family, but from, from the very beginning, when I first met Warren um, and I first met his, his mom, I actually met his mom before I met his father, and he's got a outstanding set of parents and a great uncle by that also. But um, when I first first met him, I met him and his mom, and how attentive they were and how much attention that they paid to detail, not just in athletics but in, in the school building and life, uh, his mannerisms, the way uh, he carries himself, uh, the way he communicates with others. I mean, you know when someone walks in the room and you say that person has the it factor? That kid, Warren McClendon, McClendon, has the it factor, and a lot of that has to do with the way he was raised. Sean Pender joining us here. Obviously, you had two young men who had success in high school. You won a whole lot of games with uh, with Stetson Bennett as your, your quarterback there at Pierce County. And, and Coach, how do you kind of evaluate uh, – Stetson's a good case for the recruiting process. Because, you know, skill set-wise, I mean, he's right up there with everybody. You know, the, the only kind of knock you put on him is – hey, maybe he's not as tall as we'd want. Well, you can't do anything about that as a coach. And I know you were a great wide receiver, maybe not the prototypical wide receiver size, still set records. Do you see guys like that and say, look, it's not all about the what you can put on the scale and the height chart. Look at the way a kid can play. Absolutely. The intangibles are just something you just can't measure. Uh, there's no way to, to open up the man's chest and see the size of his heart. And, and that's what you got with Stetson Bennett. You know, Stetson's always been that type of, uh, player with a, he's been an overachiever type individual his entire life and um, he's carried that with him. That's just a poise. That's a that's just who he is. And you know you, you can't you can't measure you can't measure that. And and uh, also his determination and love for Georgia football. This young man has loved the Bulldogs 
uh, forever. He was bred to to be in the position he's in. That's something else a lot of people don't understand. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are are very good athletes and very good recruits, and they go to the best um, offer that they can give to. They don't actually have that love, that deep love for the school that Stetson have. And I think when you have that type of passion for something, you tend to, to sell out for it. And I, I think that's also played a part in the um, productivity that Stetson's been allowed to to have. And, and then, of course, he is surrounded by a lot of very, very talented players that believe in him. And when that happens, that really soars your confidence. Coach, take us back, because you mentioned something that, that, again, in today's day and age uh, is, is not that common. Take us back to that recruiting process. You're his head coach uh, there at Pierce County, and obviously you have guidance uh, with all of your players where they want to say, and you can say, hey, you have offers to go play at Southern, uh, I believe Southern Miss, some other places. Georgia, obviously there's no scholarship there. That's a walk-on situation. How do you kind of, when you have players that are going through that, how do you kind of merit that out versus, hey, there's opportunities maybe to go play. You kind of know the trek of what it could mean to be a walk-on in terms of playing. Take us back to like some of those conversations you had with Stetson when he was weighing, do I go play over here or do I go to a place I really, really want to be at, even though it may not be as a full scholarship guy off the bat? Well, yeah, he started that he wanted to play college football. I mean, of course, he was going to play somewhere else besides Georgia, but Georgia's really where he wanted to play. And when that wasn't on the table, we were looking at other places, but he was getting mostly FCS offers, and uh, he got uh, Middle Tennessee was his first actual big offer that was an offer from a, a full scholarship. Southern Miss was playing with them here and there. Um, really wasn't 100% on pulling the trigger, even though they might say it, they, they are now. Everyone's saying they would now probably. But at, at that time, it was it was just, you know, not, not really sure. Again, the only FBS school he had was, um, was Middle Tennessee at the time, and he went on a visit there. And he also looked at Sanford really hard. He looked at Mercer really hard and trying to debate where he wanted to go. But when you go back to the summertime, and he's going to all these different – where he got that nickname, the mailman, when he's wearing the mailman hat and going to all these different quarterback camps, he was sizing himself up against some of the top recruited quarterbacks in the nation. Uh, Jake Fromm was at a lot of those same camps that he was. And besides Jake Fromm's just, you know, size factor, Stetson Bennett was throwing the ball just as good as him and all that, and he just felt that he was – just as good as a quarterback, and he had the confidence in himself. Uh, and I remember going to, with some of those camps, like actually being there and watching the way the wide receivers would try to line up just to have a chance to go with Stetson because of the way Stetson threw the football and uh, to get their self seen. And uh, he just he he has that effect on people though, where where people will 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 navigate to him. But in that process. He had a lot of offers. He just wasn't satisfied with his offers. And then Georgia called him and offered him that preferred walk-on and said he'd be treated just like a, a scholarship athlete and this type of stuff. But, um, you know, you know, if your dream is to play here at the University of Georgia, why not go for it? So that was his mentality. He he went there and he, he got on the, the practice squad, you know, and as a scout team guy and earned himself a – an opportunity to dress, and he got to run through the edges. And but when it looked like he wasn't going to get an opportunity to play, especially when Georgia you know, brought in Justin Fields, and you had Jake Fromm and Justin Fields in front of him, that's when he decided to go the JUCO route. 
So, you know, he, he went the JUCO route, and, and then uh, then Georgia decided they really, really missed him, especially after Justin Fields left, and they uh, decided to, to bring him back and offer him a scholarship. Coach, what does a guy like Stetson Bennett do for the perception of the quarterback position? As you mentioned, I mean, you can never, ever open up a, a young man's heart and see the size of his heart, but what does – Outside of him just being in this position and betting on himself, coming back to the University of Georgia, growing up a Georgia Bulldog, getting to live out his dream, what does he do for the perception of the position to say, look, man, do you want me to play the quarterback position or do I got to look the part before you actually get the part? Unfortunately, in this business, man, there's so many people that were going to look at the measurables before they look at anything else. Do they fit in a certain mold? If they fit in this mold, all right, then we'll start looking at his intangibles. But with a guy like Stetson Bennett, what he brings, not just him, you look at, you know, Drew Brees has done it. You look at um, Russell Wilson, what he has done, and, and, and some of the stuff just, you know, he's just one of those guys that are overcoming the. Um, that that stigma that you have to be six foot four and have a cannon for an arm, you know, to be to be a quarterback. Stetson Bennett is a ball player, flat, plain and simple. And he's he's five eleven. He's just under six foot. Uh, he has big hands though. That's another thing people don't understand. He's got hands of someone who's six foot three. And the kid is a gamer. He's been groomed to play quarterback uh, his entire life, and and um, he has that instinct about him. And what Stetson does is it also shows everybody out there. That hey, whether you're a, a walk on or a five star athlete, if you're good enough, you're gonna have a chance uh to to what do they say the cream always rises to the top. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach Sean Pender joining us here on Three and Out. Coach, you mentioned uh, Warren McClendon earlier. You coached him at, at Brunswick High and uh, a guy that has that, that pedigree uh, in his family of, of being a college athlete. But uh, you watch the Orange Bowl and uh, as a coach, I imagine, has to be uh, give you great pleasure when you see a guy uh, just absolutely toss around some, some guys there that are expected to be high NFL draft picks in the Orange Bowl. Well, I think Warren McClendon is going to be a, a, a nice uh, draft pick himself when he gets there. You talk about a kid that is technically sound in every aspect, does everything correct. You you watch him. There's not a, a, a phase in his game where he's weak at, and um, you know maybe he he himself is just a little bit undersized compared to some of those other guys. I think Warren's only around six foot four. You know maybe six five if you you know put some heels on him or something. But you know he's. <laughs> He's around that deal, and he's another kid that's going to end up being um, uh, a, a top a top draft pick, in my opinion. I think he'll be one of the highest rated offensive linemen that that get to go, and probably I think he'll be at Georgia at least one more year, and then after that, I think he'll go to the NFL. But if you watch his game tape, he he's he's done that to everybody he's ever faced. Now uh, he's going to have a his, uh, some big shoes to fill. You know, it, it was it was a, a high opportunity with Michigan. Obviously, he had a he had a, a lot of hard uh, situations there. But Alabama, they're not going to be a joke either. They're going to come with some dudes just as good as as uh, Michigan, if not better. And coach, I mean, uh, come Monday night, if uh, Stetson. Warren, the Georgia Bulldogs can find a way to get over this hump, this 40-year-old hump. I mean, that they had nothing to do with, but obviously you carry on the good and the bad of, of any school. What is it going to mean to you, uh, you know, a guy who understands who these, are, who these young men are as people first and as football players second? I am already uh, uh, as proud as I'm going to be of them. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to, to see these guys prosper. I'm so blessed to have been in their lives. Um, you know, with the things that not just what 
coaches bring the players, but what players bring the coaches. And these these are two players that we're talking about that that really uh, are a blessing to be able to coach and to be around. You're talking about high-character young men. Both these young men are going to be great fathers to their kids. They're going to be great husbands to their wives. They're going to be great in the community that they decide uh, to, to reside in. And, and they're, they're just that, those type of uh, people. They're infectious people, and, and I'm, I'm so blessed already to be with them. Whether they win or lose, um, you know, Friday night, they're already champions in, in my mind, in my eyes, and, um, you know, all Monday night's going to do is is um, solidify that in, in a whole bunch of other people's eyes, and, well, we're going to see a movie before about this before it's all said and done. I certainly think it could be a possibility. Sean Pender, our guest here on 3 Now Coach, always a pleasure. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much. All right, thanks for having me on. Y'all take care. Y'all have a good day. Will do. Sean Pender, head football coach at Brunswick High School. Coach Warren McClendon there at Brunswick High. Also, uh, Stetson Bennett uh, there at Pierce County. Knows those two young men uh, very well as they play for a national championship on Monday night. We've got more to come. David Waters, Gators Breakdown, joins us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Certainly a lot going on around college football with the national championship game, coaching hires, transfers, a lot happening around uh, the game here to help us uh, break it down. Florida's been very busy. David Waters, Gators Breakdown, joining us here on 3 and Out. David, welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, guys. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you. Uh, before we get started with the Florida stuff, David, I, I have to ask, full disclosure, are you conflicted at all on Monday night? Because obviously you cover the Florida Gators. You have Georgia and Alabama in the national championship game. But correct me if I'm wrong. You and uh, Stetson Bennett hail from uh, the, the, the same hometown, so are you? You're pulling for the hometown guy, which means you might have to say, "Go dogs!" Dare I say, or uh, are you conflicted on Monday night? Uh, you will never hear me. There you go, David. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it is a good story though for Blackshear and Stetson Bennett. You know, to get all the notoriety. I mean, news stations are in Blackshear. You know, covering the that angle of it. Uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to see Black Sheer in the spotlight a bit, too. But there's, there's too much orange and blue uh, in the event for, for, for me to go that far with it. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that, that's that's about the extent of it I'll go as far as I'll show some support, you know, from Black Sheer and the hometown guy. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately, uh, I, I don't I don't want to see Georgia ho- hoist that trophy Monday night. The right thing. No, I'm, no, but uh, Dave, when you think about Coach Napier and what he's doing, right? I mean, he he's 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 seeing what Georgia's doing. He's seeing what Alabama's doing. What Clemson's doing. As far as like coaches, I think he's hired like thirty now. That I mean, he only get to sign twenty five guys between early signing day and uh, obviously national signing day, but. Is, is, is that the winning recipe? you got to have an analyst for every single position, but bigger than the guys that's going to be coaching the players, you got to have analysts, you got to have transfer portal guys, you got to have NIL guys. What do you make of Coach Napier trying to reshape how things are done behind the scenes before you even get on the field? Yeah, Ben, that's part of it. I mean, what have we heard about Nick Saban? What have we heard about Kirby Smart? You know, it's getting that number of analysts, getting that number of coaches. It's and now, honestly, like you said, it's covering every angle of the ever-changing game of college football. And as you said, it's it's it's, it's all recruiting innovation. I mean, that's a that that's a title uh, for Florida right now. As you said, player engagement, NIL, player development, transfer portal, uh, JUCO guys. I mean, that's, it's all coming to a head, and you need somebody. Uh, 
to, for, for all those roles. But then one thing he says about this, why he wants to bring so many people in is, look, it is a tough life to live as a college football coach. So when you have all these guys, these on-field coaches that are going to be, you know, a lot of your main recruiters and they're going to be on the field a lot too. If you hire an army around them, it takes some of the pressure off of them as well. So they're not the ones that are ultimately in the guys, you know, in recruits' ears day in and day out. You have assistance for that as well that can help fill in. So there, there is a quality of life aspect to this as well. Uh, and maybe that went too much for the you know, previous staff and the way Dan Muller wanted to do things. But now with the way Florida is kind of coming in and saying, hey, we're dedicated to this, hey, here's $7.5 million to throw at all these assistant coaches. And here's more for all these assistants that are going to be under him helping, helping, helping these guys. So they're getting creative in a lot of titles to bring some of these people in, but it's really about kind of just creating an army that every nook and cranny is covered so you can go compete with Georgia, so you can go compete with Alabama. Yeah, David, that was uh, kind of what I was uh, noticing there with Florida is that is this kind of the next wave of, uh, of college football is we see the head coaches uh, getting these, uh, these huge contracts and salaries, and you saw the Dabos of the world go out and say, look, I'll take defer a pay raise, but I want to keep my two guys, offensive and defensive coordinators, happy. I'm going to give them darn near as much money as I'm getting uh, to stay and build that continuity. But you mentioned, uh, I saw that Billy Napier hired Bird Sherrill. He's a guy, obviously not a lot of folks probably know who that is, but he's an NFL scout, a former NFL scout who's director of college personnel. And basically his entire job is – to look at the transfer portal in JUCO. Like, that's all he does is sit there and look at the transfer portal for guys that Florida could be in. Is that kind of the next wave, given what we've seen in uh, transfer portals? Like, now every college is going to have recruiting coordinators and transfer portal coordinators to kind of figure this whole thing out. Yeah, I mean, as we're seeing, and probably in effect of this crazy coaching carousel we just went through, there's a lot of guys, and there's a lot of high-profile guys in the transfer portal right now. So you're going to need somebody dedicated to it because, I mean, you're seeing it. They can come in and help your team. While I still think you will build your the base of your football team, if you want to go compete for a college football playoff spot, if you want to go win the SEC, you really need to go hit your high school recruiting. But we're seeing it day in and day out. Uh, right now, these transfer portals also – for these big programs. Now, they're, they're not banking on it. They're not relying on it so much, but they're getting those, you know, few got one, two, three guys on their team that can make a difference, that can make instant impacts on their team. And we saw Alabama, their receiving core, uh, Jameson Williams, uh, you know, Williams in there at uh, wide receiver, they needed him. They needed him this year. He's made a difference for their team. He's one of the reasons they are playing Monday night in the national championship game. So even as good as you recruit as Alabama does, you still need you know, that one transfer uh, linchpin there for, for, for their team. So, yeah, you, you, you need an army to go hit high school recruiting, but then dial it back a little bit also for the transfer portal. Because it's crazy up there right now. One thing, one thing that Coach Neighbors doing also, he's bringing back, he's bringing back guys that played at Florida. Retain Vernell Brown, obviously, you know, for the player personnel guy. Everybody was thinking who was gonna, who was gonna replace Christian Robinson. You, I mean, uh, did you go out and get, you know, uh, Mike Peterson, a guy that obviously uh, played at Florida? Just talk about him understanding that. Look, you got to have former players to be able to resonate uh, with the current players, both uh, coaching the X and O's and guys like Vernell Brown, who obviously is in charge of, you know, our player engagement. Yeah, Ben, and you know, too, there was a kind of a push behind the scenes, too. You know, Kiwan Ratliff, who was a part of Dan Mullen's staff, you know, behind the scenes as far as recruiting goes, uh, was wondering if, if he'd be able to find a way to stay on staff. But it does not look that way. Uh, as you said, Mike Peterson, former Gator linebacker, played in the NFL for a while, too, the Jaguars and the, and the Falcons. Uh, so, and then um, now 
was at, at South Carolina. And the, the word is it's not been made official by Florida, but it's you know, pretty, pretty well known out there right now that Mike Peterson is going to be the next outside linebacker coach for Florida. As you said, former player, All-American, I'm here. Uh, and, and it is good to see former players come back. And you, look, you go from Christian Robinson, who was a, a dog. He was <laughs> a Georgia dog. He you know, was a killer on the recruiting trail for Florida. Uh, there, he was probably looked at as maybe one guy they may keep around for the previous staff, uh, but they decided to completely, or as far as on-field coaches go, not retain anybody from Dan Mullen's staff, and now uh, outside linebacker bring in Mike Peterson from South Carolina. Uh, and you know, you, you look at it, you know, South Carolina, uh, a defense that has been able to create turnovers, uh, you know, for all their faults, in uh, a pretty good first year there under Shane Beamer, but for all their uh, overall faults. They've still been able to create a lot of turnovers on defense uh, in recent years. So I think, you know, Mike Peterson, I th- it, it's, it, it is good to see a former Gator uh, uh, back on staff here uh, under Billy Napier. David Waters, uh, Gators Breakdown, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and David, obviously, Billy Napier's come in with a lot of fanfare, scared money, don't make money, and all, all those kind of things, and bringing in uh, a lot of infrastructure uh, improvements as far as coaching staff and things of that nature. How quickly does he need to have it resonate on the field? Obviously, you have two teams in your conference Playing for the national championship, I don't think anybody fully knows what the SEC is going to look like when Oklahoma and Texas comes in. So how, how quickly does he need to have Florida in that position so they can compete and also with two more high-profile teams coming in, continue to compete in that, uh, that new-look SEC? Yeah, I mean that's you know, one reason he's hired. You know, Dan Mullen, and, and for you know one reason he's no, no longer around. You, you couldn't really point to anything in the future to to, to bank on. Uh, you know, recruiting was looking good, and you decided ever since the late 2020 that you know for whatever reason the, the you couldn't you couldn't win ball game. Uh, it just comes down simply to it. So sustainability, and, and that's what it's going to be. You know, for his first year, uh, Billy Napier, it's going to be pretty pretty tough. Uh, you open up with Utah. Kentucky is your second game. You have Tennessee in the first month of the season. You do have, I think, six of your first seven games in the state of Florida, so that, that helps a bit, too. Uh, so a lot of home games as well, and the game in Jacksonville versus Georgia. Uh, but then you got Georgia and Texas A&M back-to-back. So it's very difficult first season for Billy Napier. Probably could turn a lot of heads if he has a lot of success in 2022. But you want to see a Florida team that plays uh, a lot cleaner. Uh, it doesn't look as lost. Look like they care. Uh, change a little bit of the culture first. I think as long as Florida fans see that, uh, a lot of effort going out there and playing, look, that won't – that won't, can't be the case for long, but you know, as far as rebounding uh, there. But look, this is also a team that was in Atlanta last year. That's won double-digit games uh, in 2018 and 2019. So they're not that far off. This was a down year. This was a bad year. But I don't think a rebound is necessarily out of the, a quick rebound is necessarily out of the question either. There's enough talent on this roster uh, to, to, to have a quick rebound. Maybe not compete for the East next year, but for a quick rebound, it look much better than they did in 2021. But uh, I think Gator Nation, you know, in that year too, uh, that bump class, his second recruiting class has to be at that elite level, and you have to start seeing in year two some of those dividends also paying off on the field. Dan Mullen, obviously, out in Florida, when you think about the fact, really, really good, but then it kind of lost his way because kind of lost the locker room, was more of a guy who was known for winning, not really a, not really a, you know, a, a very personal type guy. I don't, know, I don't know if he was out there with the players, but definitely wasn't, wasn't that with the media what type of guy do you think uh, Napier is going to be? Obviously, he knows about who he's coming in filling the shoes for, but, you know, if your, your short time being able to kind of, I don't know, like interview him, talk to him, what type of guy does he seem to be? Man, he's going to be straight to the point. Uh, you know, this is not going to be a, 
holding hands and kissing babies. Uh, that type of head coach, I don't think. Uh, I was told you know, about some people who know him, you know, that he, he's not going to be doing those big booster tours where he's the guy, you know, week in and week out to be doing this type of thing. He'll do your big cities. He'll do Tampa and Jacksonville and Orlando and Miami maybe. But he's not going to – he's a football junkie. He wants to be a football coach. You know, as long as he's winning ball games, Florida fans will, will, will completely accept that. Uh, there, but you know, I think uh, just kind of straight to the point, down to earth. Uh, is going to tell you exactly what he what's on his mind. Not really sugarcoat anything. Uh, that's kind of the, the gist I've been getting of him. Look, I'm, he's raising raising South Georgia. I'm raising South Georgia. Kind of maybe the same backgrounds, maybe a laid back attitude somewhat. Uh, and I think you know it, it will be not maybe as quirky of an, an approach as what we saw in the demo. David Waters, Gators Breakdown joins us. David, before we let you go, your thoughts on Monday night, uh, Bama or Georgia? How do you think this thing plays out? Until I see Kirby Smart beat Nick Saban, I just I can't go against this. I just uh, yeah, uh, the rematch I think definitely factors into it. You can can you beat the same team twice? Can you beat a really good team twice? I think that's the biggest question here. Uh, and as far as you know, to go along with the question, can Kirby Smart finally beat Nick Saban? Uh, but until I see it, I know that's probably the easy way out here. But also, from what we saw on the field just a month ago uh, as well, I still lean Alabama. I still lean Nick Saban in that environment with all that experience, uh, being able to host or uh, hoist one more national championship on Monday night. That would be truly unbelievable. David Waters, Gators Breakdown, uh, joining us here on 3 and Out. Uh, David, appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. Yeah, now, unbelievable from a standpoint of Nick Saban getting yet another one. I mean – the guy probably doesn't have enough shelf space for all of his uh, trophies he's won over the course of his coaching career. Appreciate David joining us. We'll come back. We'll take three next here on 3 and Out. Good to have you along here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett is not here. Ben Troop is here. Christian Gokel is here. I know. I, I, I had to, well, had to do, do that. BJ like that? <laughs> that being said, had a busy hour, too. Sean Pender joined us. David Waters joined us. Let's take three here on 3 and Out. We'll move right along. So Christian's going to slide in to take three with us, Ben. But take one, the Jags are interviewing coaching candidates this week. The fans are interviewing clowns. Who would no, you? the fans are going to be yeah, clowns. They're going to be clowns. Yeah, but like in a good way. Is there a good way to be? Yeah. They, they, they're going to have the shot. When you're being month. ironic. They're yes. calling it the clown out with a K. Yeah, when you're being, like I, the, <laughs> when you're being, when you're being ironic. For Con. It's fine. Who would you hire, though, if you're the Jags, Ben? A bunch of uh, early 20-something-year-olds figure out what it takes to win, what it takes to win consistently. How do I know Jim Caldwell is a good coach? It's not because he uh, he went to the Super Bowl with uh, with a veteran-laid team, with uh, Peyton Man, those guys that lost to the New Orleans Saints. It's because he took he took the Detroit Lions to the play. They were 11-5. and five. I just think that at the end of the day, when you can win in Detroit, you can win anywhere. When you can take an organization that I know has been in a bottom feeder for a very, very long time, Jim Caldwell understands what it takes to win with veterans. He understands what it takes to win with young guys. You take a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who definitely is proven to not be a front runner, who definitely seems to be a guy that, that loves playing football and has galvanized his teammates in that locker room. Go out there and get Jim Caldwell. Get you some good uh, coordinators in there. But I think Jim Caldwell should be the first should be the first uh, call by Shia Khan, who needs some good publicity at this point. Yeah, I know the guys that they have like requested for the most part have been coordinators yeah. that haven't been head coaches before. Yeah, right. Which we're getting old because Kellen Moore is one of those. And I still remember him cooking Georgia. Yeah, in the Georgia Dome. 
to open the season in the Power Ranger uniforms. But that being said, uh, I think two guys. I think Byron Leftwich yep. is one guy you absolutely have to consider. Tom Brady has been out there pounding the table for him, saying he's an amazing coordinator. Uh, and when Tom Brady puts his rubber stamp on it, uh, I'll take that one. And you're just trying to develop around what's supposed to be your franchise of Trevor Lawrence. I'll take Tom Brady's stamp of approval on it. The other guy, though, and they haven't requested to interview him yet, Eric Bienem. Yep. And I just I don't know what it is about him. Maybe he's just telling people he's comfortable in Kansas City. Maybe, he maybe, have, maybe, listen, yeah. maybe he's not a yes person. Yeah, he likes having Patrick Mahomes as his guy. Maybe he knows it's kind of like a Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick thing, where like if Andy Reid ever retires, he just takes over and he knows he has the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. Whatever whatever he wants to do, but I think you have to do your due diligence on that one. Yeah. I think so. I think either Eric Bieniemy or Byron Leftwich. If you want to go the unproven route versus, I know the NFL very much likes to go the retread route sure. when it comes to head coaches. I think it's going to be an interesting decision for Shad Khan. Does he go the safe route with the next guy, with a guy who's been a head coach before? Or do you go with someone who has the higher ceiling? I'd go with the enemy, uh, or if you can't get him, Byron Leftwich. But one guy I think to watch out for, too, because they're saying there's a lot of interest. And I don't know if he's just trying to get a bigger contract. Harbaugh. Oh, I'm about to say Harbaugh, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Jim Harbaugh apparently yeah, has like, an interest listen, listen, in getting like, back into like, the NFL. He likes young quarterbacks. He kept well, he doesn't like the fact that they cut his money and yeah. his power and force him to make coaching changes yeah. before this year. Yeah, and so well, now he's got a little bit of stature. Now you take him to the college football playoff. Can he get that money back? Yeah. For the Jags, you need a coach who can beat his rivals. Though so, uh, that being said, I, I said to Ben earlier. Beat Ohio State this year. Okay, one out of seven. Right. But uh, Byron Leftwich, to me, would be the guy for a number of reasons. Former Jag player. Yeah. Pretty beloved Jags player. He's not in the Mark Brunel status, but pretty good quarterback there uh -huh. for Jacksonville. And as your head coach, former quarterback, whose best interest as a former quarterback do you think he has in mind? Trevor Lawrence. Don't worry about the defense. Don't worry. Uh, my whole goal is to protect Trevor Lawrence, make sure he stands upright, has players to throw the football to, and and, and can be the leader of the franchise. I go Byron Leftwich. I think that's a good PR move. I think it's a good coaching move. Uh, I would say uh, I would say Byron Leftwich makes a whole lot of sense. Take two. Oh, boy. Brian Kelly last night at the Texas Bowl, uh, they were being interviewed, and he was talking to the, the, the coach. He said, hey, I got to work on my accent. You know, my family. Uh, he said, quote, I'm from Boston. We don't have strong accents. Parking his car in the garage during the Texas Bowl. Is Brian Kelly just fake? They also showed the video of him dancing with his five-star quarterback, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh -huh. Is he just fake or is he just clueless when it comes to stuff like this? He's both. He, he And he's both in a lot of ways. I think Brian Kelly realized this, man. Okay, he, he probably think that when he said the thing about his family, he probably think it worked in his favor. Because he's not listening to the negativity. He needs one positive, you know, he needs one thing positive being said and he's good. No one, listen, you are the only person from Boston that don't have an accent. Like, you <laughs> might not have an accent anymore, but Bostonians definitely have accents. They can, Bostonians tell other Bostonians that don't have accents what happened to you. Now, does Mark, Mark Wahlberg have an accent? No, but he's also an actor. He probably had to work on his voice to be able to get roles, but yes, Bostonians uh, do have accents. Mark Wahlberg absolutely has an accent. I, I, don't, I don't hear what he talks. Uh, he him and I, his brother Todd. Holy cow. I, I, I don't hear it. I, I, no, but I, it's, it's like this, though. It's like you and I don't think we have accents. Yeah. But if we go talk <laughs> to somebody. Have you seen The Departed? Yeah, if we yeah, go yeah, talk to right, somebody right, somebody, right. somebody not from below Tennessee, they're like, what did you just like, say? What, yeah, what, I mean, but, but but think about this, though, Christian. No, no Ben was like, told he has a uh, like, new, Kevin, new York if I was accent. To ask you, if I was to ask you, <laughs> hey, did you bring your keys with you, did you? You knew, you would know. Yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, we, 100%. Yeah, we, we, listen, we don't say we say fix it too. We say finna. Finna. But let's think about Brian Kelly. Yeah. He'll say we don't. What do you mean we don't? 
You spent too much time, you know, in South Bend. You've been there a long time. Number one. Is there a South Bend accent? If Brian Kelly it, says there's not a Bostonian accent, I would present to him three movies. The Departed. Come on. The Town. Come on. And Good Will Hunting. Yeah, Good Will yeah, Hunting. Like, it's like, you like no, apples? No, no, no. Yeah. In his mind, they're putting on. Have they're, you heard Bill Burr? For a dollar fifty at the, the library. Have you heard Get Bill Burr speak? Yeah. No, Brian and, Kelly, have you heard yourself speak? Yeah. And in a sense, too, let, let's go ahead and call it what it yeah, really is. You spent 150 no, no, grand no, no, on education. No, no, you could have no, got no, for a dollar fifty at the library. No, this is what he's really saying. <laughs> this is what he's really so saying. Kevin, no, Kevin really put this question in there just so he could give us no, his but, terrible no, boss story. It's true. Let's let's call it what it really is. You're going to mock you terribly. If you're from the South, you make fun of people from the North. You're from the North, you make fun of accents from the South. But the problem is, we can do y'all accent up North. You cannot do it down here because no. there are different dialects what he's worried about accent. is the accents are fine but he knows once you get south of the mason dixon line we'll beat the brakes off you in football so. i mean you know he, he better he better he better find a way to get some w's and or him and his family yeah, no, it's, it's, embar- <laughs> it's embarrassing and it's it's he Who's is gonna be SME today no but it's, but it's just like i don't understand why because he was never like this yeah. at notre dame and so when he took the job at lsu i was like this, this is an amazing hire. Like, they just went and flexed on Notre Dame coming in. He could just be Brian Kelly, be the CEO, hire two good do two good coordinators, some great recruiters, and LSU could be back very quickly. Well, but if there was one way to yeah. step on yourself is to appear fake. Yeah. And Brian Kelly is absolutely appearing fake. But you know what I'm also getting from him now that he's out of Notre Dame and he's at LSU? Like lake dad vibes. Like I want you to picture like a bar on a lake. Just sandals like a, and a cargo da- yeah. shorts. Cargo shorts, big oversized t-shirt and a visor. Like tell me Brian some, Kelly doesn't look like he's on the sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me Brian Kelly doesn't look like he lives on Lake Lanier. No, no, no. Probably. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> this is the thing, this is the thing. He lives on Lake Lanier, but but no no. He has he has a lake house, but his his kids are out there and he just shows yeah. them what you guys need to think, no dad, we don't need anything. No, he's from the one you. who takes his kids out tubing and he thinks it's funny to like whip them off the yeah. back of the tube. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I think that'd be fun too, but... He also knows Kevin, you can't when you're recruiting. Kevin, Luis, you also have big Lake Dad vibes. So. I do. That's fine. You know, you also, <laughs> he also like, knows you can't go. Hey, when you're recruiting guys from Louisiana and Alabama, you can't go in there and say, "Sorry, I'm late. Had to had a little trouble with my yeah, car. You can. Had a little trouble with my car." Nick Saban. <laughs> Nick Saban has a big Midwestern accent. It's yeah, fine. but he also has a lot of bling. Yeah, he got a lot of he rings. Did, he did it at the beginning. Well, okay, and he, he was, didn't. And he was recruiting at the same school Brian Kelly's at, and he won a national championship. He wasn't walking and going, I had trouble with my car. Nick Saban's from <laughs> West Virginia. If you come to LSU, you'll make lots of dollars in the NFL, he I promise. To, he went to Kent State. Come on. He's been, he's been southernized. He's been, he's been another, there a long time. What's another like Bostonian phrase? I, I'm having too much fun. No, I mean, the best is if you want to have a, a, a Boston accent, yeah. say khakis. Yeah. Like, I like, love like my khakis and my like khakis. The, no, the things you wear is uh, you wear a pair of khakis, <laughs> but Boston, they refer to those as your car keys. So it's your khakis. Yeah. Your khakis. There you go. Brad Kelly, just be quiet. Just I love my good. All right, you got to go. We got two minutes yeah, for this sorry. last day. Two minutes. We got to go. Take three. Derrick Henry uh, brought off IR, expected back at practice for the Titans tomorrow. Just in time for the playoffs mm-hmm. in two weeks. He has not practiced or played since November 1st. Is a healthy, rested Derrick Henry at the running back position the most dangerous player in the playoffs? Ben, can we? this is very simple. No, hell no. You can name every player in the NFL besides one. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the most <laughs> dangerous player yeah, in the playoffs. I said, I said, listen, Tom Brady, he's probably top five. Tom Brady, you, you still got Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, you still got Patrick Mahomes. 
I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Dak is playing pretty well. Trevon Diggs is playing pretty Doesn't, well. None of it matters. You can say every name in the Listen, world. Tom, Tom Brady took a guy. Tom Brady took a guy on, on Sunday who had to fill in for Antonio Brown. And what did he do? He catch the game with a touchdown pass. Game over. Thank you, God bless and good night. Make sure you tip your waitress. It is Tom Brady. I'm Every still, single time. I'm still upset that nobody has put the Petey Pablo take your shirt off to the Antonio Brown taking this. <laughs> listen, uh, listen, yeah. listen. Antonio Brown calls himself a.k.a. a super gremlin. I have seen <laughs> the movie. I've never had him out reference it. But, hey, the man, went to, the man went to New Jersey and hasn't left yet. Yeah, but in any conversation when it comes to most dangerous in the NFL playoffs, it's Tom Brady and then everyone else. L- love the fact that Derrick Henry is back, though. Shout out to I them boys who got the best record in the AFC. There, there was a case either of you could make. At the end of the day, free. No. Freakazoid running no, back. No, no, if you had put the caveat outside of Tom Brady. Okay, outside of Tom Brady. Where does he rank? Outside? He's top five. Top five. Top five. Right, so you top still five. got A-Rod. You still got, I mean, you, you still got Patrick Mahomes, boy. You still got Travis Kelsey. Somebody got deal I don't believe on. I don't believe anybody in the Cowboys until they prove something. They're real dangerous in the regular season. Oh, they're very, very dangerous. And, and Mike Gallup just went down. Oh, that's going to hurt them Cowboys. They don't have real strong accents in Dallas. No, no, no we don't, we don't, we don't got any accents in Dallas. Everything is just bigger. <laughs> everything is smaller in Texas. Yes, yeah, Brian Kelly. <laughs> that's take three. We do it each every day. It's time we'll come back with more. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We've all in the, in the break been trying to like go through our best Bostonian accent. I think Christian has said, how do you like them apples? At least 27 times. Uh, when it was all said and done. I like them apples. <laughs> well, I got a number. Welcome to Bean Town. I mean, I'm just saying, it's like, it's going to be a lot of. Tr- I'm just going to say no, this right now. No, Brian Kelly, go watch the movie Ted and tell me the Bostonians don't have an accent. What, you're like, what, are right, you talking, I, what are you talking to? Right, Travis John sent me a text. He, he said, walk your dog with a coffee in my yard. Yeah. He said, do that in my go Boston give me a accent. Coffee. Was I close? Yeah, go give me a call. I Walk mean, your no, dog. No, your dog. It is. No, no. Dog is no, no. a. Uh, is that New York where they no, uh, have like four syllables? Whole life talking trash about southerners. Now he has to live with us. Now he's trying to. Now he can't blend in. Now he's mad. Like the jokes. The jokes don't really hit the same. My family. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm saying to myself, like if you, if you, I mean, talk about sucking all the life out the whole arena. People like. Oh my fam. I'm like, are you? A, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, are you a coach or a country music singer? What the hell was that, Brian Kelly? No, he is. I mean, he asked he answered question. He's, hey, uh, yeah. he's the uh, he's the the Jake Brigant's character for Matthew McConaughey. My family. No, I mean, or is that no, the old no, judge? Uh, the, the, no, that's a, that's Judge Omar Noose. <laughs> my family here. Boston don't have accents. You can't judge do a Omar Noose. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Like who? Like, One more like, outburst who, like that, Mr. Bagants, and you're out of here. Exactly, Mr. Bagants. <laughs> I mean, that is true, though. I mean, Mr. Bagants. Well, if you were in a Lois Lane, a finish over there. There it is. I'm just saying, but see, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I mean, you know, it's, thanks for coming. But it's um, Mr. Be- like, I mean, I'm just saying, like, Brian Kelly. Let, let, you what are you just saying? You know, you are, you have to, he has proven this. The Southern accent is the one. Yes. That is the hardest one to do. So for everybody to think now, you can't do it. But to say, we ain't got no access up there in Boston. No, you don't. Yeah. Give it a shot, Christian. My, my, my I mean, I wanna, walk uh, your dog with a coffee in my yard. Try I will do no such thing. I'm not going to stoop to the level of Brian Kelly. Yeah. Walk your dog, Mr. Go with a coffee in my miss- yard. Is that Boston or New York, Mr. Began? I can't. I can't. I can't <laughs> who is Brian Kelly going to be at SCB today? He don't even know who the hell he is. <laughs> He'll be from the West Coast. I'm What's up, bro? He's just going to go to the highest bidder, whatever area can pay Brian, him the most money. Here we go, Troy. What up, bro? Here to talk some LSU football. How do you like? How do you like my Skechers? <laughs> Final hour, three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're here from uh, 
Ben Troop. Good to have you here. Three and out. Final hour of the show. Ben will sit down with Anthony Becht for uh, this week's edition of Troop Talk. Uh, tight end, played for the Jets, Bucks, and more. And uh, Ben and Anthony talk a little bit of everything uh, coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes on the show. Also look at the Falcons and Kyle Pitts one year in uh, after that draft pick. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later as well. But Georgia and Bama Monday night, Ben, for the national championship. We talked about how bad Georgia needs to win, how much they want to get over that hump. What will a win do for the legacy of Kirby Smart at Georgia and in, in, in college football? And I say that, don't, don't just say, well, it'll be huge. But I think that's obvious. But are we talking about Kirby Smart? Is he passing Vince Dooley at that point? I mean, Vince won a national championship. I get it. Legendary figure. I mean, how many did Saban win at Vama before they started talking about, oh, different era of college football, and he's passing, uh, you know, the great Bear Bryant. What does a win Monday night do for Kirby Smart if, he, if, if George is able to get it? Well, puts him in legendary status. Not because, not just because he won the national championship, Kevin. But you know what? I, it's because of it was because of where he's doing that and how long it took to do it. Like no one thought that it would be a forty-one year gap between you know when they won it, second time they won it, and look, and it gets them out of the shadow of Mark Rick because until he wins the national championship, that's who they're gonna compare him. They're not comparing him to Vince Dooley until he wins the Natty. Right now, he's being compared to the second greatest because right now, Kirby Smart is the third greatest coach or third best coach in Georgia history. Behind Mark Red and obviously Vince Dooley. He wins the national championship. That bumps him up to number two. Now, I think what happens is, too, Kevin, let's face it. Kirby Smart, I mean, he doesn't mind telling you how good his team is. And rightfully so. You know, uh, you know, pressure is a privilege. But, Kevin, you know, just like I know, if you can't win the big one, that's what you get known for. And that's not, that's not, that's not uh, disrespectful to him. People are going to say, hey, if you go to Georgia, have gone to Georgia. If you go to Georgia right now, have gone to Georgia, roof of Georgia, people say the same thing. Whenever you get to talk of trash, people are going to talk about 1980. And rightfully so. Now, if Kirby Smart can find a way to get it done, Kevin, he's going to exercise a lot of demons because something we talked about in the break. It took a lot for him to get here. He, this is his second national championship against the same team. Only this time, he got to deal with the Heisman Trophy winner, not a Heisman Trophy, uh, a guy that was going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist in Tua. And and I and I think and, and listen and the crazy part about it is, his quarterback has more experience than the other one. I mean, Stetson Bennett has more SEC experience than Bryce Young, even though Bryce Young is obviously the Heisman Trophy winner. I think Kevin for 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 Kirby Smart, if he loses this one, right? And I know coaches lose game. I know losing is a part of it, but Kirby lost the Kirby won the SEC championship when he lost the national championship. And Alabama didn't even play in the SEC championship. They played Auburn, and they was able to avenge that one. If he loses, Kevin, it's going to be rough is an understatement because the thing about Georgia is, and, it, and once again, we're not talking about Georgia, the players, talking about the fan base. My God, if you have to deal with them, because, Kevin, this is the thing. If, if, if Kirby Smart loses, I mean, what does, it, what does it do for his psyche? Because if you've done all this and you made it back and you win, okay, it was, it was it, I, not to compare the two, but I, I think about the Braves. It worked. Alex Anthopoulos and those guys, I mean, we made it. We almost made it to the, somebody said, if we get to the World Series, we good. They made it now, and they won it. They exercised a lot of demons from the Mike Fonavich and all this other type of stuff. If Georgia loses, could you say to yourself, man, maybe we just good enough to get there and not win it? Like, those are realistic questions if you can't do it on Monday night. Well, and again, in the era of college football that we're in right now in this last little stretch, it is – 
I mean, it's like playing Major League Baseball in the era of Babe Ruth. Uh, well, you know, they're just rolling off championships. It's it's hard to do it. I mean, you're everybody in this era of college football is being compared to Nick Saban, rightly or wrongly. It is what it is. Uh, just like every quarterback in the NFL the last 20 years is being compared to Tom Brady. Fair or unfair, right? I mean, is it, it, it fair or unfair? Nobody's going to be able to do what those two guys have done in their respective eras. But I do think, as you said, Ben, uh, when you exercise so many demons and, uh, again, you have won a national championship, I realize Vince Dooley will have more SEC titles uh, even uh, you know after, after Monday night, obviously. Uh, but you're talking about you're one of a few coaches to win a national championship. Uh, you go back, Wally Butts. I don't, I don't know how many people are alive uh, <laughs> listening when Wally Butts was coaching at Georgia. But you're one of a few guys who will have won a national championship uh, at the University of Georgia. That puts you in, in big-time status. You also, as you said, Ben, is time and place. You will have won a national championship beating the GOAT. The all-time guy who finds a way, new coordinator every year, still wins, hard to beat, getting NFL talent all over the place, and Nick Saban. You will have beaten him on the big stage on a, in, a, in an era of college football where that doesn't happen. Guys who have coached under him studied at the feet of the master, so to speak. And Jimbo Fisher is the only guy to do it. And he had to kick a field goal with two seconds left to do that. Right? I mean, it's just been unbelievable. And I, I want to say what the what what is it the current number of coaches who have won a national championship in college football is Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Swinney, Mac Brown, Gus Malzahn. I think that's the list of active head coaches who have won a national championship. Am I wrong? Or not it's, Gus uh, Malzahn? Gene Chizik. No, no, he's not. He's, he's not, not coaching. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Active uh, coach. No, no, no. Gus Malzahn went. He, he lost. He went. He, he lost. So, and, and, active and, coach who won it. So, it's exactly. even less than that. So, exactly. talking about four dudes mm. active in mm. all of college football, mm. two of those guys are over or 70 or older mm. who have won a national championship. So, you'd be an extremely rare company in terms of coaching in this era of college football, guys who have won a national championship. Yes. I, I, I think that puts you up there in. Elite company. To it me, is. it does a lot it for is. Kirby Smart, who's obviously a good recruiter. He's a – I don't know if I can say he's a program builder because he left Alabama to go to a team that was winning yes. nine to ten years. Now, was yes. Georgia what they were no. when he, now when he got – no, but they were still under Mark Rick had won 10, 11 games. I mean, it was it was a very good program. He took it to the next level on top of that. So, I give him that. I wouldn't call it, go so far as say you were program building as you were accentuating a program mm-hmm. that was there and taking it another step. So uh, he has been up there. I think it puts him obviously in that Dabo category uh, of, of great coaches uh, in this era. To me, it validates a number of things uh, for Kirby Smart with a W on, on Monday night. A loss, again, I, I think it brings up a question. And I hate to say like you can't win the big one because people would say that about Mark Rick. I'm like, you won, and again, it's a different argument for Mark Rick because he didn't have the college football playoff in a couple years. The BCS math didn't work in their favor, but you won SEC championships. Is that? And I've asked people that. Is that not a big game? Is the SEC championship not a big game? Kirby's won that. So I don't know if it's that you haven't won the big game. It's that you have to get over the one team that nobody, nobody can seem to beat on a consistent basis in college football right now, and that's Alabama, and that's not anybody's fault. I don't think that's a, a knock no. against Kirby saying, you can't win the big one. Well, if you can't, nobody can because nobody's been able to consistently get it on Nick Saban while he's been at Alabama. They just haven't been able to do that. If you get over, I think that puts you in big-time company, obviously, for college football coaches. 
you beat Nick Saban in the national championship. That ain't easy to do. Think about the guys you just mentioned, though, Kevin. I mean, you think, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Urban Meyer got famous, one, because he was at Florida, two, because of who he beat. Beat Nick Saban, AC Championship game. Dabo Sweeney, half because he was at Clemson, other because he beat Nick Saban. I mean, you talk about Gus Malzahn. But for the longest out. time, you had the whole Clemsoning thing a- a- going on around around. And, and I will say this: think, think about, but think about sports in general. People talk about how great Michael Jordan was. What did he had to do? He had to get over to what? Huh? Detroit Pistons. Oh, finally got over them. Okay, I'm I able. I'm able to win championships. Uh, we talked about. We talked about. Uh, we talked about uh, Donovan McNabb and, and, and the Eagles. Five straight uh, uh, NFC championship game. Finally got over the hump. Went to the Super Bowl, but had to get, had to deal with Tom Brady. I th- I think talk about this Braves team. Yeah, they beat Houston. Had to deal with who? Had to deal with those pesky, uh, you know, those pesky Dodgers. It's you that that team that that's a thorn in your side. It's supposed to be there. I mean, Eli, the brother of Peyton, beat the guy twice that that Peyton never could beat. Eli, Eli, man, and beat beat uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl, but he only had to pay him one time, and obviously the team around him. I think when you think about Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart goes. Hey, man, I'm going to leave Alabama, man. Nick Saban, he getting up in age. He going to leave. Because Nick Saban wanted to show you guys. You guys, listen, man. You know, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's like this. My grandma, my grandma used to tell me that just because you got the ingredients to this recipe, you don't make it like me. What? We got the same ingredients. You don't make it like I make it. Because I've been making it longer than you. You got the ingredients. You stir it up. You put it in. You pull it out. No. I told you the ingredients. I don't have to measure mine. That's the thing with, about Nick Saban. There aren't too many. Think about now, Kevin, he's just adding to his legacy. Look at the picture in the SEC championship. I mean, in the college football playoff. He looked mad. He won't even smile because he knows, man, the work never ends. Like, people go, why don't Bill Belichick act like he don't like it? Because it's the work that he enjoys. It's the grind. It's the, it's the people think I'm getting old. I can't do it anymore. Or I don't got Tom Brady. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it with a rookie quarterback. Or with Nick Saban. Oh, I can't do it with a guy uh, that's a freshman and ain't, ain't never won the Heisman. I'm telling you. It, you said it, Kevin. It's a different. It's a different standard at Alabama. But if Georgia can do it, this is the thing too. Understand what's going to happen. If Kirby Smart does do it, it's going to get ugly for the competition in twenty twenty two. No matter what, if Alabama wins on Monday, it's going to get ugly. If Alabama <laughs> loses, it's going to get even uglier because you know Nick Saban, Kevin. You know he don't. You know I mean back to back years is hard for anybody to do. But old Saint Nick said, "Look, man, I never said I couldn't be beat." and M. <laughs> But the thing about Kirby, Kirby saw me four times, lost four times. I, they, they swear it's fifth times the charm now. We'll see. But Kevin, you know, just like I know, if Georgia don't get it done on Monday, you got to ask yourself: At what point does the mindset of the head coach start trickling down through the players? Because you got the players, got the five stars. Five star players ain't five star coaches. They, they both gonna meet on Monday. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, and again, it's gonna be again a lot to play out there. And again, I, I think you look back at it and. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, coulda, whatever. You had your chance to bump him out back in the SEC championship game, and Alabama's probably not even in this situation. But if Cincinnati beats Alabama, I think Georgia wins. If Georgia wins the SEC championship game, they're playing Michigan, I think Georgia wins. It's that one team that's standing right in your way uh, in Alabama that you have to get through. And, and again, you kind of say it, it sounds cliche when you're like, the championship runs through Tuscaloosa. But it does. It does. You, it that, does. That, that, that is, that, especially that is not, for that's Georgia. That's not SEC bias. That's not, that's not Alabama bias. I, I, think, I think the thing is, too, everybody, everybody looks back and says, oh, all Georgia had to do was play cover two in the national championship. They win. No, all you got to do is not let a true freshman throw to another true freshman and beat you. That's what you not had to do. Or you can say, listen, when you know, and everybody looks back to certain games. People gonna say, oh, Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett gave up one uh, defensive touchdown in the SEC championship game. What about Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean and Walker and those guys and you know and Nolan, Nolan Smith and those guys? Somebody said this. 
Did Georgia just get that much better than Alabama in the last month? No. You got the same players, minus John Metchie, but you still got Bryce, still got Bryce Young. You got a healthy Brian Robinson. You still got Williams. You still got Will Anderson, who did not show up the last time. It's, it's going to be a heavyweight fight. Everybody can throw a punch. Alabama can take a punch and keep throwing them. We'll see if Georgia's built for four quarters on Monday. Absolutely. Hey, we've got more to come here on 3 and Out. We'll have Troop Talk. When we return, Ben sits down with former NFL tight end Anthony Bett for Troop Talk. They talk a number of things. Antonio Brown, NFL, college football, Anthony Beck's son, quarterback, going to Iowa State. Let's break all that down and more in Troop Talk next here on 3 and Out. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Georgia and Bama going to play on Monday night for the national championship. Uh, coming up this weekend, the end of the regular season in the National Football League as well. We'll get ready for the playoffs. Falcons aren't going to go, but could end the season of the New Orleans Saints with a win. Kyle Pitts, don't know. Uh, I saw Arthur Smith today said, hey, we're not saying. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. Kyle Pitts. He's had a great rookie season, Ben, set records uh, there as a, uh, as a tight end. And you go back to the beginning of the season, I think we were all on the show pretty much in agreement, hey, you want to go out and get Kyle Pitts. But they had a lot of issues on this Falcons team. You could have said get a tackle, defensive end, a number of issues that could have been addressed. Does the season Kyle Pitts has validate that pick for you? Or do you say you still had other flaws you probably could have addressed without getting Kyle Pitts? Is it validated because he's had one of the best rookie seasons out there? Yes and no. Yes, it did validate him, Kevin, because, I mean, the number, the highest draft of tight end in NFL history, going fourth overall, and as you mentioned, I mean, you had quarterbacks, you had, you know, you had, yeah, man, you had Michael Parsons, uh, you know, you had, some, you had some guys out there that you could have went out there you, uh, that went out there and addressed. You look at what A.J. Terrell has done in his second year. Could you have added, you know, a cornerback on the other side? Uh, but, I, but I think, but I think no – because Kyle Pitts proved that he he is a very, very gifted athlete coming into the league to where tight ends are being utilized for what they do athletically catching the football. But no, because it, it showed just how many holes it is, Kevin. Like, my goodness. It's like this this Falcons team had a receiver at running back that, had, that led the team in rushing yards and, and, and rushing touchdowns. And the thing about it, you know, it's who he's replacing. Though. Julio Jones, no longer there. You're going to hear about that alone a lot. But this team had a lot of holes. No one, no one saw Kelvin Ridley deciding to, you know, uh, to step away from his mental health, and we applaud him on that. No one, no one saw Dante Fowler again not having a stellar season. No one saw Matt, uh, AJ Terrell stepping into his second year and having a monster season. Kyle Pitts is about as good as advertised. Only problem is he has one touchdown. See, the woes for this Atlanta offense is, you know, in the in the red zone, in the green zone, in the money zone, they're not getting it done. Kyle Pitts. I mean, he broke Mike Dicker record, even though Mike Dicker did it in 14 games. Kyle Pitts did it in 16 games. He's a, he's a great talent. But I think what happens with this team, uh, you know, Kevin, you want less about the individual performance and more about the collective. And the thing is, Kyle Pitts is somebody to build around. But Kyle Pitts, I said this, Kyle Pitts is going to benefit more from having a veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan than Matt Ryan's going to benefit from Kyle Pitts because Matt Ryan has had Tony Gonzalez, right? And even though Kyle Pitts broke Tony Gonzalez's record for most uh, yards in the season, it ain't leading to more wins. It ain't leading to more points on the board. So Kyle Pitts definitely validated his position as far as like being the highest drafted tight end in the NFL history. But no, because he can only he can only do his part, Kevin. I mean, think about it. He can only go out there and catch the ball. He can't block for Matty Ice. He can't, he definitely can't tackle the opposing team. He definitely can't sack the opposing quarterback. 
So, yes, he validated. I think the young man is about as good as advertised when you talk about what he does, what he's built to do. They're not forcing him to be something he's not. But, Kevin, you know just like I know. When, when, when the thing you draft or how it makes you look good because it worked out, what about the other What about the other guys you know, out there? And I'm not saying that Kyle Pitts is, is the best player on the team. He just had a, a stellar rookie season. But running back, O-line, D-line, linebackers, it's, it's, it's a – that offseason and the, and the draft is going is going to uh, they're going to have to do a lot. But yes, Kyle Pitts for one season. Yes, Kevin. I mean, what else can you do? Uh, but go out there and you know have over a thousand yards receiving, led your team in receiving yards, uh, and uh, you know and be a focal point. And more was added to him once Calvin really left. Like they go they going to feature him even more. But hey, he lived up to it. He didn't he didn't fall under the pressure. And I know he's probably not going to play on Sunday. But uh, if these Falcons can find a way to, to keep those pesky Saints from going to the <laughs> freaking playoffs, that would be something to go into the offseason feeling good about. Yeah, and again, I, this Falcons team, again, I, I, we, I just brought that up because he's had such a great season. And uh, you could say you took Kyle Pitts. Was it a necessity you took Kyle Pitts? I think at the time, not necessarily. It was a, it was a luxury pick, right? Because you still had Calvin Ridley. You felt like, hey, maybe this team could trade back and get a running back. Maybe this, you know, offensive line help, defensive line help. A number of ways you could have gone, and the Falcons went for the splash pick. Hey, we got Kyle Pitts, highest drafted, as you said, tight end ever. And it seems to have worked out, and a lot of times you say, well, that validates it. Well, as you said, Ben, did it? Did that move alone lead you to more wins? Did that move alone make you better uh, in the short term? I think it may be more of a long-term move, uh, but – We'll see how that plays off into the draft this year. Just interesting. You kind of it's revisionist history. I get it. You go back, it's already happened, but you know, it's what people do. You look at it and say, was it worth it? Was it worth it? People will say, I remember the time, Ben. People, a lot of people said that. Was it worth it to mortgage your draft for Julio Jones? I remember people saying, Oh, nope, you just went Saints on it. You put all your stock, you trade away all these draft picks, you mortgaged your future for Julio Jones. Worth it. Right? I mean, it turned out that that it was worth it to do that. And uh, you didn't give up a lot for like that for Kyle Pitts, but a lot of people said, "Really, you can't rush the passer, you can't block your quarterback, you're going, you lost Julio Jones, you don't have a running back, and you're going to bring in a tight end." I think it's proved, uh, you know, validated that pick from the from the front office there for the Falcons. It did, it did. Uh, Kyle Pitts is never ever going to be what Julio was in his, uh, this Falcons offense, but who but who can be that? Uh, and I think all Kyle Pitts can do is go out there and make plays when his number's called. And that's what he did. He learned a lot as a rookie because you got a guy, Matty Ice, is going to be very, very demanding on him. He's coming in, Kevin, very highly, highly taught. And when you think about the, the Travis Kelsey's of the world, the Darren Wallers of the world, the George Kittles of the world, guys who are, you know, the Mark Andrews of the world, uh, the tight end position has changed. He's benefited from that change. Uh, this offseason, they had tight end you up there in Nashville, uh, ran by Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Kyle Pitts, one of those guys that got invited. He's coming to the, he's coming listen, the tight end position went from being tolerated to celebrated. And uh Kyle Pitts benefited from the celebration of the tight end position. He's gonna have to continuously get better. But 66 catches over a thousand yards, you know, the one touchdown, you're gonna have to uh, you know, uh improve on that in 2022. But yes, Kevin, he gave you a thousand yards. You get you 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 give me any receiver drafting the first round. What you looking for? A thousand yards. Why? That means he's out there being productive game in and game out. Now, you know, if you if you if you look at his counterpart though. If we're gonna compare, you know, apples to apples, you know, when you talk about uh when you talk about Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase has fourteen hundred yards, but he has thirteen touchdowns. So what I'm saying is you're gonna have to get in the end zone. What affects the scoreboard is points. Not yards, not first downs, points. 
So I do I do know that Kyle Pitts understand what it is. He did incredible as a rookie. He I think he listen the the, kid, the the young man and a kid the young man is out there just making it happen. Kevin and listen, Kevin, if you Kyle Pitts, you know for the fourth overall pick that you know the the Atlanta Falcons select, you know Kevin Thomas. It's not your fault when you got drafted. It's your it's your job to go out there and make it happen. He he coming into the league and he know if he's giving me a thousand yards as a rookie. He's going to have to and – and hopefully he gets better and better and better. I mean, who knows what he's going to end up doing. But, yeah, shout out to Kyle Pitts, finding a way to get it done, leading all tight ends. And definitely I think I think he's in the top ten in receiving, for all receivers included, uh, you know, incredible season. We've got more to come here. Three and out on this Wednesday all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Counting down the days till the national championship game will be upon us. Georgia and Alabama appreciate – Mark Bradley, AJC Sports Columnist, joining us here on uh, 3 and Out earlier today. Wrote a column today, Stetson Bennett need not defend himself. I'll do it for him. So, uh, we can check that out, AJC.com. Also, Sean Pender, Brunswick High Head Football Coach, David Waters, Gators Breakdown, and Ben sat down with Anthony Beck for this week's edition of Troop Talk. So, uh, if you missed any of that... You can go to ESPNCoastal.com, go to our YouTube page, you can get an archived version of the show there as well. So uh, a lot of things you may have missed, you can go back and check them out each and every day. Our YouTube page, ESPNCoastal.com, Apple Podcasts, uh, et cetera, iTunes. Check out uh, 3 and Out each and every day. Tonight, Ben, we got a little uh, hoops action. Hawks are on a West Coast swing. Hawks are at Sacramento. Then the Lakers on Friday. Hawks, though, 12th in the East, but they have been – Ravaged by uh, the COVID protocols, I think a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago they were down to you know like seven, eight healthy players, and were bringing up guys that people were like, "Who's that?" Uh, but now starting to get back healthy. I think uh, they just said uh, John Collins going to be back in LA uh, for the weekend games against the Clippers and Lakers. So uh, starting to get healthy. We'll see if they get it turned around. Trying to find a way to put uh, put some wins together, Kevin. You know how you know it's uh, it's up and down. We talk about the NBA season, so many games in the season. It's I mean, I, I think I, it's real similar to the All-Star break in baseball, right? You want to make sure that you not peaking, but you want to make sure you still got a shot, you know, after the All-Star break. But, yeah, still a very, very young team. Trey Young is, I mean, we were talking about it yesterday, Kevin. I think a budding young superstar on a team that's always going to be scratching the clawing uh, for respectability as well as trying to get back to the playoff consistently and to hopefully, you know, compete with those Milwaukee Bucks in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a Eastern division that everybody thought would go down once LeBron went to the West Coast. But, Hey man, uh, you know Coach McMillan, he's doing he's doing about as good a job as he can do with this young uh, Hawks team being led by Trick or Trey. But hey man, you can get a big win against some Lakers led by LeBron James, who at 37 years old still getting it done. But that's that's uh, that's uh, obviously that's on the weekend. Hopefully, go out there with them Sacramento Kings who've been who've been bad a long time. <laughs> Try to find a way to get back to your winning ways to build some confidence before you get to LA this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see if they can get it uh, get it turned around. I think they've had one of the toughest goes uh, so far. But again, yeah, for, uh, what. 12th in the East out of 15 teams, not where they expected to be at uh, at this stage of the season. But a chance to get it turned around, as you said tonight. They've been playing pretty good, just haven't been able to close, and they're finally starting to get a full healthy complement of a roster back uh, here over the last couple of days. But uh, we appreciate you joining us. Obviously getting ever closer uh, to Georgia and uh, Alabama. We're going to talk with a couple of Georgia uh, greats tomorrow on the show, former Georgia Bulldogs. So looking forward to that. Rennie Curran uh, going to join us uh, tomorrow on the show. So looking forward to that talk uh, with him ahead of the national championship game. Rennie Curran, author. What is it? Was it author? Uh, guest uh, speaker. One of the best linebackers ever. Yeah. Hitting machine. No, it's always good to talk to uh, former Georgia guys so they can tell you just how much they're trying to get over that. They're trying to get over a hump, a, a game they have nothing to do with on Monday, which I hope, hey man, Georgia does. We'll see.
Absolutely. So much to uh, to get to as we roll on throughout the week. Also the final weekend in the National Football League. So, so much to get to as we go into our Thursday. Again, if you missed any portion of the show, go to our YouTube page, ESPNCoastal.com, Apple Podcasts. You can get a podcast version of the show uh, each and every day. And we will see you tomorrow, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.